Welcome back to Behind Our Door. Hi, Julie. Hello, Nancy. That We're back again today. Really, uh, really interesting stuff. Can't wait to get started. Um, we have, you know, we've been, we're continuing with our series on alternative therapy for mental health issues and, and otherwise just alternative therapy and learned so much already. And today, um, you know, just been so much wanting to learn about ketamine therapy. That's today, which, um, which we're really excited about. And we are welcoming two fabulous guests that work together. Um, Candace Curzon and, uh, and Austin Francom. Candace is a licensed social worker, and Austin is a board-certified family nurse practitioner, both working for therapeutic alternatives. Um, so we are really, really grateful that you're both here. Um, welcome to both of you. And we just are so, um, so thrilled that you will inform us about ketamine therapy. Yeah. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for being here. So I, I guess I'll, I'll start out by, by asking some questions like ketamine in my day was so controversial, right? Because everybody thinks psychedelics, psychedelic drugs. And I don't know when I think of psychedelics, I think of mushrooms, not ketamine. But when I think of ketamine, I think of horse tranquilizer and I'm sure none of that is correct. Um, so let's start out by saying somebody who has Googled the word or whatever, um, what would you tell them about ketamine to make it feel safe? Yeah. So, I mean, actually for, for starters, you are accurate. Um, uh, ketamine is used a lot in veterinary medicine um, because it's a, it's worldwide. It's a very valuable anesthetic drug. So uh, it's kind of developed uh, in the sixties as kind of a battlefield anesthetic for like uh, in Vietnam. Uh, and then, you know, because it doesn't, because it's very safe, uh, it doesn't need, you, you don't need an anesthesiologist to manage an airway. Uh, it's used a lot for veterinary medicine and actually for pediatrics for, for kids. So oh, um, just to give you an idea of how safe it is, um, we don't use it for anesthesia. We use much lower doses. We use it for, uh, um, mental health, obviously, and and the reason we use it in lower doses is because we do want it to uh, induce somewhat of a psychedelic state, um, much like you've heard of with mushrooms. It, it can put you in kind of an open state of uh, of uh, you know awe, wonder, sometimes uh, just a safe space to kind of examine your your trauma, your anxiety, your depression, um, but. But yeah, that that isn't completely inaccurate. It is definitely used for veterinary medicine, um, not because it's dangerous in any way, but because it's safe, actually. So, 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 how, so let's go back into you know how long has it been around? How long has it been? I mean, in, when when you started using it for thinking of using it for people for um, recreational for um, altering the mind, so to speak, mm -hmm. in a positive way. When did that all sort of come about? So that's uh, for the history of the drug. So in the 60s with, with uh, veterans, it was used as a battlefield anesthetic, right? Because same reason, you don't need, a, you know, you don't need an anesthesiologist there to, to administer uh, pain medicine. Um, and uh, as that 
you know, as they kind of found with, you know, with use of it, it does induce a psychedelic state. And there's always going to be a, um, an appeal, um, you know, just to people in our society for, you know, uh, uh, altering consciousness, uh, uh, looking at things through a different lens of consciousness. And, and so I think it was kind of discovered through that means. Um, and I may, I may, my facts may be jumbled a little bit, but what they did find anecdotally with veterans that, that had used ketamine, that, that it actually helped with some of their PTSD symptoms. Um, and then, it, you know, obviously because of the psychedelic properties, it, it has some recreational um uh, use uh, in the 90s that has a bit of a reputation for as a club drug um, although the effects are much different uh, the way we do it versus uh, in snuffleating or snorting it we do it we we do a, a controlled dose that's either intramuscular or intravenous that's that's monitored and controlled so um, in order to make the, the environment as safe as possible but that's a little bit of the history. It managed to, you know, when Nixon kind of developed the, the schedule system in, in 1970, uh, ketamine ketamine uh, avoided becoming an illegal drug like some of the classical um, psychedelics we're used to, um, mainly because of its value as an anesthetic. And, and it's used worldwide as an anesthetic drug. This is a, what we use it for as an off-label use for mental health. It's actually listed as one of the, I don't know, in the top 10 or five essential medicines in the world. So that's why it's never made schedule one because there's such high value in it as an anesthetic. And so it's always been legal. It's always been available to us. And, and that is why the research on ketamine never went away like it did with the traditional psychedelics, which they had done, they had done research on LSD, psilocybin, you know, the traditional ones back in the fifties and the sixties, mm -hmm. but then that, that was taken away. Um, the research was, am I speaking wrong? No, you're correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. it was, so that was made schedule one because of what happened in the sixties with the counterculture and, and Nixon ketamine was never taken off that. So we were always able to use that. And, and it just developed over the years where they would see more and more the use, the, the uses beyond anesthetic it and i would say probably closer because it was never taken off in the 90s more and more research was done in regards to using it it was all along used as it but in the 90s there was a lot more research done um in using it for mental health issues really in the last 10 years it's become uh, a lot more accessible and um recognized mm -hmm. Uh, for for its mental for its use for mental health, so respected um, in a different way, mm -hmm. like really yeah. starting to come up in the ranks. Is this is this worldwide? Do other countries respect ketamine the same way as in the past? Like you're saying, ten years, mm -hmm. it's gained no, some notoriety in that way. Yeah, I I mean I don't know um, worldwide. I know uh, culturally here, I think the stigma's kind of melted away. Is as other psychedelic drugs have become more in the kind of the social consciousness. I think things here culturally really stopped with Nixon, you know, Nixon and his war with the counterculture um, and, and ketamine kind of slipped through. But I think you're seeing an emergence of some of those classical psychedelic drugs being, 
being reconsidered for mental health and yeah, especially when yeah, for sure. And not, and I, I'm a big proponent of, of our more mainstream drugs for mental health, but I think we've seen, you know, over the past 30 years that, that, that it's not, uh, you know, that I would say like our kind of mainstream antidepressants are kind of a, a hammer and not every problem's a nail, you know, um, approximately 30, 40% of people respond well to, to an SSRI or an SNRI usually, and that usually takes a cocktail. Sometimes there's mm -hmm. side effects. So um, it's just a different approach that really hasn't been um, brought to the light, I would say, until recently. And, and a lot of my career wasn't even considered. And, and I, you know, didn't start to hear about it until me and Candace started doing this. So it's not something I've always, you know, we, we had our awareness of it as far as how it could help our patients as well. So, so I have a question. I've read before that um, ketamine therapy is used um, oftentimes when the traditional uh, medications are ineffective or it's just someone struggling with that three months to take effect kind of ordeal, mm -hmm. which can be an ordeal in crisis. Um, do you screen when somebody's coming in the first time? Let's, you know, think about that. They come through your doors or they call or what have you. Do you screen to before you uh, take someone on for this therapy to say, have you tried all this? Or if someone's interested in just saying, I want to try ketamine first, is that something that can be done? Uh, that's a, yes, it's a good question. We have kind of a two-part screening. We, we have a coordinator, the, our initial point of contact, she'll do a, a preliminary screening, um, just so they understand what, what their, you know, what, what exactly we, what this drug can do and, and if they, if it feels right to them. And then before everybody, for a patient, um, you know, before we administer any, ketamine to them I, i'll do a, a a small physical and, and mental health evaluation as well as candace will see them prior to administering any medicine so that's uh the screening process we use and i think most clinics use a, a similar um you know a similar kind of approach i right. believe a lot of times when people come to us they have tried a lot of different things mm -hmm. um I think the the opinions about it have changed over the years since we've been working with it. I used to work um, in, a, in a psychiatric hospital, and um, and that was like oh, about ten years ago. And I was there for three years, and I would see that the doctors were not using this as often. They would they were they they were a little bit of I don't want to say afraid of it, but they were a little bit afraid of it. It wasn't as out there, and there was a lot of thought of of you need to try it has to be treatment resistant depression and you need to try all these things before I've seen the, the attitudes change and, and the attitude with us has changed also where most people who are coming to us have done, done a, a bunch of different things before they get to us. Not always though. Sometimes they, they come to us. We don't require it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think each clinic is a little bit different. Everybody, we're all kind of, trying to figure this out as we go along it, it you know it is pretty new um but the idea that maybe 10 years ago is that treatment resistant depression only and you have to have tried multiple the way the way i kind of look at it now i think the way is is the view is changing is that 
we have this tool. It's a very effective tool. Research shows 70% of people are helped by it. Why make somebody go through months and months of something else? And then that doesn't work. We give them something else and that doesn't work. And then we finally get to this. So I think it's, is, is that fair to say? Yeah. I, 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 I don't mean, want to speak out of turn on the medical when, part. When we started five years ago, um, and I had this belief too, uh, you know, I, I felt like a person's depression had to be treatment resistant in respect of uh, multiple medication failures, uh, therapy failure. And then even up to date at that time was saying try ECT, mm-hmm. uh, like therapy before ketamine. And as we've worked with, uh, we've really softened our, our opinions on that, um, you know, the risks here versus say something like ECT. Um, you know, where you, you're, you're not, you're not affecting permanent changes in, in people's cognition. Um, it's giving them more of a lens to kind of look at some of their stuff and, and maybe a roadmap to, to healing. Um, we've really softened our approach, but we still, you know, uh, treatment resistance, uh, depression is a good criteria. Um, but it, it's, there's, there's no absolute deal breakers it's you know we we like to you know we like to kind of um we don't like to approach it as a uh it's certainly not a, a cure-all a, a panacea it's more of a, a tool just like any of those other medications and we don't you know we we definitely have a much more nuanced approach than we did five years ago yeah it's, it's a lot less in the, than like ECT. Um, to give this a to give this a try before you do that is a lot less invasive. I've seen ECT done. I I, I know. I mean, I've seen it work. You mm-hmm. know, but it's a it's a lot more invasive. This is not as invasive. And generally, what we're going to see on this, the worst thing that's going to happen is it maybe doesn't work. But yeah. it doesn't have it doesn't do anything to long term memory. It doesn't. It's just it's it's in and out. You got about two hours from start to finish, and so. There, we've we've definitely changed our opinion and approach to it. And and how many times, like a week, or how many times do you have to have this two hour or whatever? The is it an infusion? You're saying it can be an intramuscular injection, which is just a shot in the arm, or it's an infusion that I that I'll infuse over about. 15, 20 minutes, sometimes longer, if the patient really wants a slow induction. Um, the study we use recommends twice a week for a series of six. Um, we found that's nice for a study, but in reality, most people can't do twice a week because they have jobs and lives. So we try to encourage them to at least do, um, you know, we try to encourage them at least to do once a week. Uh, we recommend a series of six, but not because um, we feel like six is a magic number. It's just we need a drug holiday to kind of see what we get out of the treatment. So it's like you need a stopping point and really evaluate how how this has helped uh, or hasn't helped. And we, we if somebody feels like it's not helping, you know, obviously we're we're not going to, you know, there's other things besides this. So we don't want to push, you know, there's no... You know, like I said, we're not, uh, it's just a medicine. It's just a tool. So we, we want to make sure that, um, you know, if, if it's not helping that we, we look at other options, like, you know, even sometimes even non-pharmacologic options like therapy, um, uh, self-care, uh, 
stuff like that. But um, obviously we do this for a living and we've seen it help. So we're, we're pretty confident in some of the, the benefits of it. But. And, and what type of mental health issues do you think are a good candidate for this? Our, our top three are usually depression, anxiety, and PTSD. And that's the top three mental health problems we see. Sometimes uh, we'll get like a normal lifespan type of existential stuff like uh, death of a loved mm-hmm. one or, or a child or a spouse, a parent. Uh, moving through, changes. yeah, changes, life changes. Maybe, you know, your kids, you know, that existential, what we, we I guess we call a midlife crisis. Kids are leaving the nest, um, figuring out what... Uh, you know what what to do next and and then we also have a big component of people going through like faith crisis or you know uh faith transitions stuff like that at least here in this state we do okay so not for people who suffer from bipolar or borderline or schizophrenia or that's a good question you want me to well okay so one of the the criteria that would we wouldn't give somebody ketamine is if would, would it be schizophrenia if you're they're actively actively psychotic or actively manic so that would be the bipolar being bipolar actually the studies show that it is it is really um, effective for bipolar as long as they're not actively manic okay um, so it can help with the symptoms of bipolar if they're actively manic we we would not give it to them that could actually make the mania worse mm-hmm. um absolutely psychotic no I, I schizophrenia i wouldn't say yeah any psychotic disorder we because we are kind of at least for that moment we're unmooring them from reality for for an hour um anyone that has any any history of psychosis we we approach it very carefully now there are other way there are other things that could make you psychotic i mean amphetamine use mm-hmm. a lot of times psychosis um so we would want to carefully screen that make sure that they're not schizophrenic or schizoaffective or bipolar with with psychotic features um uh, because we don't want to we don't want to exacerbate that that problem but um usually those types of patients are pretty chronic um that's why i see them before we can we can usually assess them look look through their psych history their medications and and you know if if we feel like we you know obviously um you know our, our first and foremost thing is patient safety and 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 we would we would probably recommend them to more traditional type of treatment um but that that's uh we both have a lot of experience in our acute psych and so we kind of have to rely on our judgment um or there oh sorry Borderline um, personality disorder. Um, we've actually had pretty good success with that. We have quite a few oh, patients who have. Yeah, um, studies have been mixed on that. There have been some studies saying it's not effective. What we've seen anecdotally is it's been very helpful for some people. There's some more studies coming out now saying that it's helpful. I think it's very helpful for the symptoms of, of, of BPD. Um, the, the biggest thing, really, when we're when we're talking to anybody who's coming in, would be to assess whether they have the skills to handle what's going to come up. And so that would, that's going to be case by case, somebody with borderline personality. Um, one person maybe may have the skills to handle and, and some, somebody else may not. We really try and assess the individual. Um, 
but anybody coming in, we're just trying to see it. Do they have support? Do they have skills? Do they have it? Because what I, I, I really consider, I, I, I think of ketamine as a, a very safe container to go in and do your work. It's going to bring stuff up. It's going to shake things up a little bit. And it may be difficult. It, it can be a really beautiful experience. And it can also be a very difficult experience. And, and, and it does go in and if, if, if nothing else, it goes in and starts to shake things up. So we really want to assess each individual. Um, and I, I'd be more, more probably do that a little bit more with somebody who would, has diagnosed um, EPD just to make sure that they have the, the, the ability, the support yeah. and the ability. And the skills. Yeah, we, we also want to make sure they have the support around them. And that can be like, you know, are they, do they have a therapist that they can kind of bring this stuff to? They have good social support, you know, supportive spouse or family, um, you know, substance abuse, you know, so w- with borderline personality, there's a lot of substance abuses, mm-hmm. substance abuse, uh, a, conf- uh, um, a comorbid condition. So there's there's a lot of things there that that kind of, you know, can kind of uh, clue us in on how successful it will be or, or not. But um, so there, there's variables there that can we feel like can optimize success if, if we, you know, we, but it's, if we, they don't have those things in place, that's one thing we'll try to accommodate them to, to get into therapy and get support. And, you know, and there, there is some uh, other things, you know, there's some, some evidence to suggest it, it, it helps reduce relapse rate from people in sobriety. I was going to um, ask that how yeah, this is for people yeah. with addiction, was, with the yeah. of addiction. It can. The, the stats are good for, um, you know, stats are pretty good for like alcohol, benzos. Um, stats aren't great for opiates for mm-hmm. preventing relapse. But um, that's, that's you know, opiates are tough that way. So, um, yeah, it can be preventative. Um, depends on people's philosophy on sobriety. Um, you know, uh, you know, sometimes you'll get a 12-step tradition that's very, very strict on no you know, no alternative substances. And, um, but my, my thoughts are for some substances that can, can help people, um, maintain sobriety and, and not, not turn to substances that are destructive for their lives. So yeah, it can be helpful for addiction as well. So. Oh, that's interesting. So, so picturing somebody walking into their first ketamine therapy session, if that's what you would call it. Um, what, if you could just sort of take us through what that would be like on a on a time scale on a way of do they feel the effects right away while they're having therapy um is it when they go home is it how long does it last you know this sort of you know i've never are done you, ketamine yeah. so i don't know are you doing therapy but, while um, you're just, getting the drug yeah, put in right you? are you talking uh, to look- them exactly <laughs> We well, that's a good question. So after we do our assessments and they're ready to go, we have someone give them what we call flight instructions. Just kind of like, okay, um, you're going to be in an altered state. Here's some good coping skills to be able to manage that. Um, But we look at this type of an experience as an immersive experience, meaning we're trying to to put you in a state of uh, where you almost feel, well, you do feel like you're out of your body. Um, we do our initial dosing based on their weight. Um, and so we try to stay in a, in a dosing range that's been studied by MAPS. Um, 
And MAPS then, is the Multidisciplinary um, Association for Psychedelic Studies. Okay. So, so, be, so that, that's roughly between a half a milligram per kilogram and a milligram per kilogram. Um, and then while they're in that state, sometimes it's difficult to communicate, um, but we check on them. And if they need support while they're in that state, we, we can help ground them, usually just mindfulness type of stuff, breathing, um, uh, breathing techniques, uh, hand-holding, stuff that kind of helps them feel grounded. And then when they start to come out of it, it, it can be a very, uh, um, you know, the the best way to describe it, it's an affable experience. Uh, and and we just kind of encourage them to talk talk about it, it's just so they can kind of put some constructs around a very weird experience. But in, in this, the way we do this type of experience, we're not actually doing therapy. We're, we, we, uh, we're just trying to help guide them through this experience. And hopefully whatever comes up, they'll take to their therapist, take to their to take take that energy and and work through it in therapy we have them we have a a, we have two groups of zoom classes one and we do this every week one's a preparation group where we have our our life coach um who's very um familiar with ketamine and has done work with ketamine she'll help them um, and she's also trauma-informed she helps them come up with their intentions and really talks about like playlists and prep and how to, you know, the, all the rule, all the things don't eat before you come in and, and really prep. Some so you listen it. to music uh, while you're doing this? Oh. Yeah. 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 And it's music of I your choice high- or, I mean, or do you? Yeah. Music of your choice. We have lots of playlists that we'll recommend and there's lots okay. of playlists. Um, that we receive when we do some training at the Academy Training Center that are made curated for this that help you really flow, help you stay grounded, help you just flow with whatever's happening. Um, so in the in the so we offer a preparation group each week along with the assess the initial assessment with our intake um, person. She's amazing and she she'll like really prepare them for them. And then we have this extra group that you can sign in for Zoom on Zoom each week for intention setting and all any other questions you may have um and we yeah we offer that just to kind of complete the loop of so we can check in they can have connection to other people going through similar stuff um you know just kind of make sure that we're not just giving them ketamine and throwing them out there in space um but you know some people need that some people don't but we we like to make sure they know they have support available if they need it but, you know, we also encourage individual therapy outside of us and, um, you know, good self-care. That's mindfulness practice, good diet, good exercise, mm-hmm. all the stuff that, that will support this working better. Also, it's interesting that you said before coming in, they have to ha- have to have fasted for how many hours before? They Four can't. hours. Four hours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Nausea is a common side effect. I was just going to ask so. that doesn't make people oh. get sick. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. You know, we don't want in there just in case yeah. i can give medication that will help but um just some people just get really sick like it's almost like uh you're just genetically wired to get sick on this med so yeah just hit or miss that and way can you be so, yeah i'm sorry can you take medic- okay. medication can you be on medication like you know prescribing medication from your therapist or psychiatrist or doctor 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, we would never recommend somebody going off their site commits to do this. Okay. That's, that, um, you know, we, you know, again, that's a complicated thing and they need to work with their med- medical provider. This, this is, we look at this as adjunct therapy. If you're seeing a psychiatrist, um, yeah, this, this is something adjunct to what, what you're doing with your psychiatrist. If the right thing for you to do is to go off your, your more conventional medication, that's really between you and your psychiatrist. And, and for us, this is for, for that. We don't, we don't, um, backseat drive, mm-hmm. nor would I ever backseat drive what a patient's doing with their psychiatrist. Um, but we also, you know, um, we don't look at this as conflicting as something doing an adjunct with, with the work they're trying to do. Um, but uh, I don't know if I answered your question well. Um, no, you did. Some 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 psychiatric meds will will uh, dampen the effects of ketamine. And we can always adjust, and that's part of my assessment. Is we can always adjust the dosing based on the meds they're taking. Um, you know, a little bit of it's predictable, predicting you know how they'll respond. But most psychiatric meds will dampen the effects of ketamine a little oh, bit. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So. What about the um, cost? I'm assuming this has yet to be covered by insurance. Am I no. correct in that? It's still um, considered off-label use the way we're doing it. Um, so we have not had much success. There have been a couple of people who fought with their insurance companies and will provide super bills. But as of now, it's not covered for the way we are using it. Um, there is a a, a spray, Spravato, that is covered. It has actually been authorized to, for use for depression. I mean, that's not how we're doing it. Um, and so it is the, it are, it, this is pretty average on most of the clinics. I mean, they, they range anywhere from three to $500 per session. Ours is, the, is $349. We do offer a package where if you buy a package of six, you're basically paying for five. We're trying to give you a little a price break there. So I think it's seventeen forty five that you're paying for a package of six. And that's also a recommended like amount of uh, generally six turn six rounds of this is a good way to start seeing it's, how this it's not a magic number, but it is a really great number for us to see some changes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if we don't see changes in six, we're not going to tell you to throw a good money after bat. We're, I mean, okay. people have done more than that. It's not, like I said, it's not a magic number, but we generally do see some, some changes with um, the six sessions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that would include the meeting with, with Austin on the first time, the, the nurse practitioner having a medical exam exam. And that also includes the preparation groups. And also we have integration groups that we offer. So all of that is, is part yeah. of the service because we really want that wraparound. Yeah. So we don't want to like have, um, you know, we don't want these kind of nickel and dime costs. We just want, this is what we offer. This is the price. Mm-hmm. And this is the, so that people aren't confused about, well, is it extra for this? It's yeah. just, it's kind of a fixed rate. But Also, um, it's encouraging. I mean, yeah. I, I love the way you set that up so that people, if they're interested, can go into that group and share and mm-hmm. kind of um, this yeah. probably a new experience for many. And um, mm-hmm. that show, you know, not giving them such an option of it's extra is a great idea. Yeah. 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 We found it's really helpful. I, I've been in those groups and it's really cool because people are like, 
Hey, I've done this, or I've tried this music. I've done, I'm coming in with, this is how I'm changing some things in my life. This is this some things I've noticed. And then people start to like, Oh yeah, I'm noticing this too. And it, it's, it's actually yeah. really cool to, to see this. Are you, it's nice to be in a community. I'm sorry. In a community. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. Go ahead. Just, you know, when people are depressed and they're looking through life with that lens of depression, they think they're alone. And it's nice to be in a group where it's like, you know, I'm depressed. I say I lost my child or I lost my husband. And, and you're in a group with somebody else that's going through something similar mm-hmm. or, you know, that no, you're not alone. When, you know, and to have, you know, the worst thing about depression is that loss of hope or yep. feeling alone. And, and I, it, even though maybe it won't cure your depression in the way you think, but at least it'll give you some hope that. Hey, this is a transitory thing, and and I'm going to move through it because these other people are are doing the same thing, you know. So yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. No, that's okay. And we also do, and and we do we we like first responders, so we do offer discount for like law enforcement, firefighters, military, nurses, and therapists. So we yeah. we we love those people. So we want to make sure that. And, and those people have a lot of trauma and carry it. So we want to make sure that they, nice. you know, if they. Thank you for make that. Make it affordable. I don't know if you guys know that, yeah. but I just retired from law enforcement. Oh, yeah. 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 People to be able to do their work who do the work yeah. I mean, for other people. So I, I really hard. genuinely appreciate that. Yeah. I wanted to touch on something. I'm not sure if we covered. Um, I think you had asked what it's, what the experience is like or how fast it hits you. Or mm-hmm. yeah. if I can touch on that quickly, I wanted to say once once you've had the assessment and you're in there and you're ready to go, we've got ther- therapy rooms. We try and make it less clinical, more comfortable. We've got, uh, we've got recliners. We've got couches. You have your own space. Um, and then when, once you're ready to go, and you, 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 either way you get it, whether you get intramuscular injection or you get IV, um, you're going to feel it really fast. You, depending on the oh. route of administration, you're going to feel it in about three to six minutes, depending on how you get wow. it. Intramuscular injection is an injection in your arm, and it's going to be faster. You've got about three minutes. Um, the deepest part of it is about 30 to 45 minutes where you're just transported and we somewhere. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> I can't tell you where, I mean, everybody's so different, but it, it's an out-of-body, it can be an out-of-body experience and it happens really quickly. Even on the IV where it's a, a steady drip, you've got about eight minutes before you feel it. But they've got the, the biggest, deepest part of it is 30 to 45 minutes. And then you start to come back to yourself, you come back to your body, and then you've got the space for another two hours to come back fully and, and, um, ground and, and then that's when we'll come in and, and talk and chat with you. We're checking in on you every few minutes, but it's so internal. You're really having, it's very internal. Most people don't want to, especially the doses we're doing, but when you come out is when we're going to be checking in and, and uh, Hey, what did you see in there? What did you experience? Did you bring anything out? What, what, you know, just really trying to talk about it with him. And then I also, and then I also wanted to throw out that, the way we do it that way, it is, and we're not doing therapy. People, most people at those doses can't sit there and talk. We're taking your normal way of thinking and talking and offline. We're, we're sending, this medicine is sending you into a different world. But we do offer what's called ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, it's CAP for short. And that would be giving somebody a lower dose and a therapist sitting with them the whole time. Oh, interesting. And that, that, does, that does cost a little bit more because we got the therapist sitting right. in there the whole time. 
can do a little bit lower dose, either subcutaneous or, or, or lower lozenges. <laughs> and then that allows them to be more open, more available to go into emotion, more ability to access emotion and, and, and talk and still have a foot in this world. And a therapist goes in and we, and just as some really deep, concentrated work and the therapist me and then we have one one another therapist will meet with the person before get to know them a little bit talk about what it is we're working on sometimes they're my own clients that i've known for a while and then then we can just dig right in but the way way we do it if there's somebody just off the street that we don't know we're going to meet with them we're going to assess what it is they're really wanting to dig into and then we can have this very deep session of therapy that really opens somebody up to be able to access deep emotion. It is crazy. I've been a therapist for 10 years, a little over 10 years. And it's like therapy, you know, I love therapy. I think it's important bringing, we need to bring awareness to our stuff. And I I think therapy is important, but therapy with ketamine is like, we get in and we like dig in Mm -hmm. and, and just jump in. Whereas with regular therapy, we can talk and talk and talk. And we're on this Thing. Uh, like I believe in it. I, I, I've used it. I, I've seen it work, but it's like, we can be working on something for a couple of years. Whereas with ketamine, it opens you up and it allows you to go in and, and all the things that you know, all of a sudden, you know, in your mm-hmm. heart, you know, you feel it, you, you feel the difference. It's not just us talking about it. It's like, you go in and you know, the things that we were talking about, like all the stuff you learn in therapy, all of a sudden you're like, Oh yeah, now I, now I get it. Now I feel that. And that's where I think um, ketamine is very, um, really kind of special in regards to like using it in conjunction with therapy, but you don't have to use one of our therapists. If you have a therapist, your therapy is going to change because you're opening yourself up and you're going in and you're, we're stirring, and it's, it's stirring things up and really, um, so doing it with us or with, with your own therapist, ketamine helps change therapy in a really positive way where you can just like dig in. I've seen people move through things really quickly. Like I'm, one or two sessions rather than one or two years. Is, is so that we, something that you're describing that someone would have to go through a few sessions of just, you know, regular ketamine, uh, muscular injection or infusion first? Or do you sometimes people say, I just want to dive in for the, uh, the yeah, more expensive therapy, you know, talk therapy, yeah, lower dose? Most people have the, that want to do the ketamine assisted therapy of have done a, some immersive experiences like we described. Uh-huh. Um, we've done that. And then they're like, well, I, I would like to try to utilize this during therapy. And, and so they, a lot of them just kind of come to that idea after doing it with us a couple times and they want to try it with a therapist at a lower dose. And um, we can, and so that's, a, that's a really the two different modalities we offer, mm-hmm. but most of our clientele probably do the immersive experience, but um, we have some that, that um, want to do the 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 KAP experience as well. So it just depends on. We kind of let them guide what where they want to go with it. But it's usually better to have tried it once before you you know because you yeah. kind of know what to expect. Yeah, you know? it's such it's such a strange experience. I mean, there's nothing like it. We can sit here and try and tell you what it's like. But we never we don't have words for it. I'm gathering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying yeah, to. It's super intriguing. I'm just, yeah, I, I just cannot. We can, yeah, we, we really can't. So 
I always feel a little more comfortable if someone's coming to me to do, to do CAP, if they've already had the ketamine okay. experience. So we know how they react to it. We know if they're going to get sick. We know, I mean, it's a weird world. We are assigning you into one of the craziest experiences of your life. So I, I always feel a little bit better if, if I don't know them and they're not one of my patients and they've never done ketamine to have done a session or two of more of the immersive one. And then we go from there, like, what did this do for you? What would you want to do some more tart, like concentrated, deeper? Yeah. Can you bring a friend? Guided. Are you allowed to bring someone with mm-hmm. you? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, God, I never <laughs> we like it to be, do people we like do it to be that? centered. Yeah. So whatever makes oh. you feel safest and most comfortable. Um, we've even had people bring small pets sometimes, as long as they're well, yeah. you know, they're good pets. And, um, but uh, whatever people, you know, whatever you know, we'll accommodate within reason what, what makes you feel safest. So, yeah. Oh, that's I'd good say to bring know. Some, if you're going to somebody, yeah. bring somebody in that feels safe to you. Yes. They, yeah. So you recommend that? You think it's it's a good idea to bring somebody in? I mean. Um, it, everybody's a little different. Some people just want to do it alone, you mm-hmm. know, and some people want somebody to, to kind of just the hand-holding. Yeah, now, um, that I, now that I think of it, Julie and I had a guest I don't know, about two years ago, who who was really into this. It kind of was the first time I thought, mm-hmm. we got to get someone on who really talks mm-hmm. about this, who knows about it. So, you know, as you two, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was saying how she does, she said ketamine is amazing and that she brings her sister, I think. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. Julie? Yeah. She, she brought her sister. And um, I just, I, you know, I couldn't picture. It's, not, it's interesting to learn the details. I Yeah. I, I think it's nice because really it's um it is a strange experience. It is one medicine that you can take where you might forget. You're like, how did I get here? What did I do? What is going on? It's a medicine where you can forget that you took a medicine. And when if you look over and you have somebody there that is like her sister, you know, or somebody that be like, oh yeah, okay, it, it, it can it can be grounding. Yeah. It can be really helpful. Be really supportive. That you're like because. It's weird. (laughs) What's the age range? What's the, like the youngest and what's the oldest that you would do this? um, We preferably adults. um, uh, We have with parental consent and, 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 you know, we have done uh, minors just with parental consent, the patient's consent and the consent of their med provider and therapist. We've, if everybody's on board, we've done it for minors. Um, but most, but beyond 18, we've done pretty much across the lifespan. Um, we, I mean, we're, you know, to some degree, you know, we haven't arrived. We're still evolving and learning as we've, 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 we've changed the way, way we look at it and the way we do it over the last five years. And our hope is we continue to learn and evolve because we, we haven't, I feel like, uh, there's still a lot of stuff we, we could, uh, improve um so it's it's we're we're kind of learning too yeah. so sometimes we're you know what we're saying today we might maybe five years from now if we're allowed to continue to do this mm-hmm. for because it's I, it's been really great to be able to help people in this way um so as long as we're allowed to, to continue to do that um i'm sure we'll do it differently five years from now you yeah know, so. i mean when, when, go ahead the, the, you know we've been uh, having a lot of guests on with just these new, more, I guess I call them holistic. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know, just new emerging therapies. And I think it's going to change the game of the way we look at mental health in general and how we treat it. Oh yeah. For sure. 
Yeah, yeah the, the, it's, it's all changing. And it, five years, 10 years from now, it's it's going to be different. Um, yeah. And to touch back on the um, the miners, we, we generally, um, this goes back to us assessing whether somebody has the skills to handle what comes up. So that's a case-by-case basis. We have learned that if parents are pushing, we, I want to get my kid and I need, I need this for my kid, I need to fix my kid, we always check in with the kid. Do, are they mature enough to handle whatever comes up? Do they yeah. have the skills? Is, mm-hmm. Are they doing this for mom and dad? We always make sure we're talking to them and getting that. We don't do it very often, but we do do it particularly with kids who uh, mature, when you just look at maturity, are they there for themselves, not just keeping mm-hmm. mom and dad happy? Because a lot of times parents are like, here, we don't Take know what to do. Take them in the yeah, like yeah. saying nothing. Nothing else is working, mm-hmm. so yeah, right. it's not, right. not the end. We have empathy. Yeah, I mean, a lot of empathy for like tried everything, and, yeah. and a parent can be desperate. But but this is really the you know we've we've still had the times to say no. The that you need to maybe continue Do more conventional. Right. Yeah, and especially more. you know depression. I feel like so many of the calls I've gotten over the years of parents that say just nothing. You know, with a minor nothing seems to be working, but the body's always changing too. You know, there, it's just, mm-hmm. uh, I can see why you would focus on adults more yeah. with something yeah. like this. Yeah. yeah. And so if so we, have a really, we have a really great tool. And so I, I, I might differ a little bit here. I, I'm, I'm not the medical person, but we have a really great tool here. And it's just like, it's, there's a little bit of thought on my side of like, even a traditional medications and therapies that aren't working and a kid is suffering why why wait till they are 18 mm-hmm. and have their brain Agree. their brain right develop that way when we have this tool so it really like i i i'm actually quite excited about it in, in, in using with with minors with, with children but we always just really want to make sure yeah. like can they handle whatever is going to come up yeah. and so we we just assess it really carefully so. yeah i'm i'm yeah i'm not against it it's just i think there's more you know treating it with kid gloves there's mm-hmm. there's more boxes to check and and I, I think everybody has to feel good about it and especially the patient even if they're a minor i want them to have autonomy in in their decisions and Definitely, if they're being pushed into it, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we won't do it. We we really need them to show up for this because you know what traditional antidepressants. You know, you know this is a definitely a, a different way of looking at psych. You know, a mental health type of medicine where it it will actually push you into your your trauma, your depression. Where traditional, you know, like say an SSRI, it's it's going to change, make some neurochemical changes while you're on that drug and, and blunt you from your from maybe blunt you a little bit from your your depression or anxiety and and so one thing's kind of the the philosophy the way they work is a little different and and it, you want patients to really feel informed about what we're doing here you know and if we don't feel like they can they really understand what we're doing we obviously don't want them to i mean that's part of consent right they mm-hmm. need to really understand what yeah, I agree. And, and children need to have a voice, you know, no matter yeah, what absolutely. the treatment is. I always say, ask, ask them because they will tell you, they will tell you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so if people want to find you both, where, where should they go look? Um, our website's the easiest, I think. Yeah. Um, 
Our website is ktherapyslc.com. And you're based out of Salt Lake City? We're in Salt Lake City. We've got two locations in Salt Lake City. Okay. West Jordan and Salt Lake. Yep. Um, And yeah, our, our, uh, you know, our, uh, the number there will put us in touch with our coordinator and she does the initial screening. So um, her name's Nina. So perfect. Well, gosh, guys, I have learned so much. I mean, this has been amazing. I I can't wait to share this information with everybody I know and everybody I've worked with. (laughs) Yeah, really. Thank you so much for your valuable time. It's really been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you for having us. Really appreciate you doing, getting us out there. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you. And thanks for being good to us. We appreciate oh, it. So. Thanks, guys. Yep. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, you guys. Thank you so much. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We welcome your input. To contact us or any of our guests, please email us at mail.com. That's mail.com. And please don't forget to like and share our podcast. Um, leave us a rating. Tell us how we're doing. We really want your feedback. It's important to us. We are so thankful that you are here and listening to us. If you or someone you know is in crisis struggling with mental illness, you can call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or the NAMI helpline at 1-800-950-6264. Until next time, please join us for another conversation behind our door. Thanks for listening.